But I remember being a kid at Christmas, and it was excruciating. I mean, I thought Christmas, I mean, it was the thing you wanted most out of life, and it just felt like it would never get there. And luckily, they didn't decorate stores as early as they do now, because that would just be murderous. I'm sorry for all you kids who are kids now. That's got to be awful when in, like, July, Hobby Lobby is putting up Christmas trees. So I feel bad that you get excited about that stuff when it's still so far away. But it is. It's just agonizingly slow. You sit in school. You're waiting for Christmas break, and you know what's coming. Everybody's mentioned it, and the days just pass agonizingly slow, and it feels like it's never going to get there. Um, And then, you know, your parents get presents, and they start showing up under the tree, and you know that's something you've asked for, something you want, and you just want to rip it open, but you got a week or two weeks, and you can't stand it, and you want to open all the presents, but you still got to wait. And if you get too close to them or you shake them too hard, you get yelled at. And you're like, well, it's mine. I can shake, should be able to shake it if I want to. I only, I only gave in to the Tim. But, well, before you, has it, did anybody else, anybody in here a peeker? You grew up and you peeked at your presents. Shame on you. Shame on you. I peeked, there was one time, one time I peeked at a present. Uh, it was in 1992. I remember. Um, I, there was a present under the tree, about yay big. I carefully peeled up one end and realized that I was getting Batman Returns on VHS tape. And then I panicked because I realized, oh no, I know what one of my Christmas presents is. And I taped it back up and hoped my mom wouldn't like see the tape. You know how it kind of rips the paper a little bit. I was hoping she wouldn't bust me, so I like put some other presents on it. And she didn't find out until like 20 years later, so it's okay. I was in the clear. <clears throat> I got away from that one, but... You know, it's funny how it, how it just builds up and you think, I can't, I can't hold on any longer. Well, for those of you that are kids in the room, let me just say, you are so close. You are almost to the finish line, guys. For some of you, this is the last thing you got to get through. Like church, and then you're going to go be with family, and you can just start begging to open presents. You can start hounding moms and grandmas and aunts the second you get to their house. So as soon as this is over, it's your turn to go crazy. So good for you. You don't have to wait too much longer. And... You know, rarely ever, though, is waiting fun. Rarely is waiting easy. It's not something that we like to do. Most of us find uh, the feelings that we have about waiting ranging between frustration and despair, depending on how long you have to wait. Um, If you've ever gone to uh, any store lately, Springfield has been crazy. Uh, I went to Walmart the other day, and they had every lane open, which I'd never seen before. You know, usually there's three, you know, and... And they had every lane open, and everything was like, you know, in the rows. I mean, it's lined up. Every one of them was full. It's like there's not even a point in trying to find the smallest line. And you get in one, and you know, though, that though they're all about the equally filled, and most of them are moving at the same rate. You know there's always going to be that one cashier who's got a little more Christmas spirit than everybody else, and she's, you know, asking every kid, what are you asking Santa for for Christmas? And, and, there's, and you're like, just bring up the stuff. I've been in here for days. Just let me go. I've passed three birthdays doing my Christmas shopping. Just let me out. That's when the desperation hits in after you've been in the line for, for a good long while. You know, and you know, by the time you get there, I mean, you're just slumped over the cart in exhaustion. You can't wait anymore. It's just agony. Um, what about when the light turns green and the person in, fr- in the car in front of you feels like they've forgotten where the accelerator is? <laughs> Some of you, okay, how many of you, you wait a good three count before you honk at them? 
How many of you, it's like lights green, they're not moving, yeah. I mean, it's immediate. You can't wait for a second. It's like, what is your deal? What? Whoa, everybody calm down. There was one day, I don't know what I was doing. I was sitting there. I was staring at the, the red light, staring, staring, staring. And then um, like a bird flew by or something, and I did that. And the second my head turned to look, I was like, Burr. I was like, like, I mean, I just missed it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes me so mad when that happens. Like, come on, I was really trying hard, too. Um, you ever gone to your doctor's appointment? You got there on time, maybe even a little early, and you sat in the waiting room for like an hour? I'm guessing your reaction wasn't, sweet, I get to catch up on that People magazine December 2012. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've been wet. I didn't know if I was going to get around to this one, but got plenty of time today. No, you get, we get frustrated when we wait. And those are all pretty trivial types of waiting, but life is full of waiting, moments of waiting. Some very, very difficult, not trivial at all. There's the waiting some uh, single people feel as they wait to see if is God have marriage in their future. There's the waiting of parents who desperately want to start a family, but no matter how hard they try, no matter what doctors they go see, it just doesn't seem to happen for them. There are the prayers that get tossed up for, for miracles and for healings that just seem to go unanswered. And there's the waiting of someone who's deeply depressed, and they're just waiting for a day when they can wake up and actually feel like they want to be alive. And so... Waiting is hard, regardless of how you look at it, regardless of what area it is. We are not good waiters. And so um, I want to talk about that idea today. I want to talk about waiting today. Oh, fun. Uh, I want to talk about waiting today and how important it is in our life, for one, but also how we should handle it a little better because waiting is a part of our life. And it's going to be a part of our relationship with God. You talk about those prayers you've tossed up, those Hail Mary prayers, the, the times you've begged, you've cried, you've pleaded with God for something, and, and you got silence, nothing. And you thought, why isn't God hearing me? Why has he left me waiting? What is going on? Well, I just, and it feels so agonizing, and it feels like God's mad at you, or he's ignoring you, or maybe he's just mean, and he just likes to, you know, make you wait for it just seems you don't know what to make sense, how to make sense of the waiting. And so um, one of the best descriptions of it I found was by a guy named Lewis Smeeds. He wrote a little poem. says this. Whoop, turn it on. There we go. Waiting is our destiny as creatures who cannot themselves bring about what they hope for. We wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. Waiting is the hardest work of hope. Because in those moments when we're waiting for something, we are also hoping for something. We're hoping for healing. We're hoping for a a healed relationship. We're hoping for, for certain things in our lives to turn around. We're hoping for something better, but there's a waiting involved where it feels like it's never going to happen, and the waiting is the hardest part of hope. But like I said, waiting is also a part of our relationship with God. I mean, there's just no way around that. There are stories after stories in the Old Testament, New Testament, of God not really cooperating with other people's timelines and God not answering people's prayers in a timely fashion. One of my favorites is when Abraham, he spent his whole life praying for a kid. And when he was 75, God shows up and says, Hey, Abraham, guess what? I'm going to answer your prayer. You're going to get a kid. And Abraham's thinking, 
I'm 75. You're going to give me a kid now? That's mean. And God's like, oh, no, I'm not going to give you a kid now. I'm going to make you wait 25 more years, and I'm going to give you one when you're 100. Like, like, what in the world? Like, that's just the craziest thing. But there's so many examples of how our relationship with God will require waiting on him. In chapter 13 of, of Psalms, uh, the, King David wrote these words of just despair. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Or how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David is in a mess, and he's been praying for relief, and it ain't happening. And he's just like, God, you forgot about me. That's the only thing. How long? How long are you going to just leave me here in limbo? And he was at this point of just despair for what was going on in his life. And man, we do that all the time. We wait on God, we pray our prayers, and we don't get answers, or at least not clear ones. And as frustrating as that might be, there's also instructions throughout the Old Testament telling us that if this is going to be a part of the thing that we're going to do here, then maybe we need to learn how to wait a little better. In Psalm 37, verse 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. If you jump down a few more verses to verse 37, and it says, Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you and inherit <coughs> excuse me, and exalt you to inherit the land you will look on when the wicked are cut off. Whoops, a little ahead of myself there. And this idea of talking about waiting at Christmas is um, might seem a little weird, um, but the Christmas story is actually a story of waiting. Because as you go through um, the story of God in Scripture, there are, is God working in people's lives. You have God then making promises to people that one day he's going to send this Savior, this Redeemer that is going to tackle sin. He's going to bring salvation to all people, not just the Jewish people, but he's going to bring salvation for all of mankind. And the, the last few really clear examples of these um, prophecies and promises for Jesus coming are in some of those minor prophets at the tail end of the Old Testament, if you ever want to look it up for fun. Um, but after that, after these promises are made, then God stopped talking. There was 400 years of silence after God made these amazing promises that I'm coming, I'm going to redeem, I'm going to rescue, I'm going to fulfill all these things that I've been working at since the beginning of time. And then God was silent. And generations of people lived and died in that 400-year gap between the last promise of Jesus and his actual coming, waiting. Is, this, is it going to be this year? Is it going to be my lifetime? Will my kids see it? Will my grandkids see it? How long are we going to have to sit here and wait for God to fulfill his promises? And even worse than that, they had to look back at the Old Testament stories and see all the times where God was speaking and sending prophets to lead and God was guiding because in that 400-year period, God spoke to nobody. There weren't any prophets. There was no guidance from him. It was just silence and just waiting. And you have to guess that, and I'm, again, this isn't in Scripture. I'm kind of filling in a, a guess here, but I, ha I have to guess that at some point there were some Israelites who were wondering, has God forgotten? Has he finally given up on us? Have, did we do something wrong to make him mad so that he just doesn't want anything to do with us anymore? They had to wonder these things. Does he not care? 400 years of waiting. 
400 years of waiting. Now, our griping about waiting in line at the DMV or, you know, a stoplight or road construction, something, you know, that's nothing compared to 400 years of waiting for a Savior, 400 years of waiting for redemption for your people and God's ultimate fulfillment and for His promises. But yet after 400 years of people not knowing, 400 years of when will it be, He came as a baby, a little teeny, tiny fragile, little, smelly, slobbery, little helpless baby that you could hold in one hand, and they wrapped him up in these clothes, and they put him in what James has called since preschool a cow cereal bowl. (laughs) Somebody taught him that at preschool, and I think, it's like, yeah, that's a manger. It was feeding trough, cow cereal bowl, love it. I'll remember that forever, right? So they put him in a cow cereal bowl, and, and the way he came, the, the, the time he came, everything about it was perfect. When Jesus showed up, though people had been begging and, and agonizing and wanting to be there for that moment, when he finally did show up, it was perfect. Everything about the world at that moment was set up so that the words and story of Jesus' salvation would be able to travel from corner to corner to the known world in one lifetime. Because the Roman Empire, this is kind of boring, but the Roman Empire had kind of overtaken the world at this point, which meant there was unprecedented peace, which means you could travel without getting killed most, most of the time. There was also a road system that they built that was incredibly impressive when you think 2,000 years ago, that people could travel with greater ease and farther distances across the known world. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, the Roman Empire made everybody kind of learn the same language. So you could go anywhere in the known world, and if you knew the story of Jesus and you spoke Greek, you could share it to just about anybody you came in contact with. None of that was true until that 400 years had gone by. And God knew what was wa- he was waiting for. God knew what needed to happen, and he sent Jesus at just the perfect moment in history so that we could be talking about him today and find his salvation now, as frustrating as it might be you waiting, I don't know, maybe you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're praying for help for something. Maybe you are praying desperately for a new job. Maybe you're praying for financial stability. Maybe you're praying for guidance in some area of your life. Maybe you just want your marriage to be healed. Maybe you've prayed for, you just prayed for an outright miracle. You need something big to happen in your life if anything's ever going to get better. And you found yourself waiting on God. Let me make just a few observations about waiting on God from this Christmas story, one is this, is that God's timing's better than our timing. Everybody was wondering when Jesus was going to show up. God sent him at the right time. That means all the time that you are sitting there thinking, God's forgotten me. God doesn't listen to me. God must not like me anymore. Or maybe I did something wrong and now he's not answering my prayers. All those times you're thinking, God is in actuality stepping back, thinking, wait, I'm, I'm not absent. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just waiting for the right moment. I can't tell you how many times around here. I've seen this several times, actually. Um, once was a couple, to- a couple years ago when I was doing the Dave Ramsey class, so don't forget, Dave Ramsey's good. Um, that's just a plug, shameless plug. Um, but there were some people that they, they would said, I'm so unhappy at my job. It's not what I need to survive on. I need to find a new job, and I've been looking, and I've been looking, and I've exhausted all my options, and I'm just at the end, end of my rope. And then, as time goes on, you come out a month later after they've kind of been utterly flabbergasted at it all, all, frustrated beyond belief, 
and they get, I get a call. You'll never guess what just happened today. I got a call out of the blue by somebody asking me to come in and do an interview. And it was just what they needed at just the right time. I've seen several stories happen uh, like that around here. Just the right time, the door opened up, but it required waiting. And, and since God's timing is better than ours, one of the things we are going to have to accept into our experience with God is that waiting is going to be a reality. You see, the reason we get so mad about waiting is because we don't want to do it. The reason some of you lunatics honk the second the light turns green I need to do a sermon on that. That's rude. Um, the reason, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I love you all. That's not, please forgive me. Um, but the reason is because we don't want to wait. I don't want to sit at a red light all day. I got places to go. When I go to Christmas shop, I've already been in the store for two hours. I don't want to stand in the line for two hours. I don't want to wait. Like, we don't want it to be there. But the reason we get so freaked out in our faith when we're waiting on God is because we don't expect to have to wait. We expect God to work on our time. We expect God to do what we want him to do. But God works on his own time scale, and it is better than yours. I am a diehard, long-time Garth Brooks fan, and you know which song I'm going to reference right now. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Okay, Do you know how many people you'd be married to if God answered every one of your prayers? How many I mean, do you, was that like girl in sixth grade really, was she really the cat you thought she was? Like, we got Facebook, we can look up people now and stalk them a little bit and be like, whoo, dodge that one, you know? Like, we can do that now. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So God's timing is better than our timing. So waiting is just going to be a part of your faith. It's going to be a part of your life. And the sooner we accept that waiting is a reality, that we are going to have to endure, then we can come back to those verses in, Psal- like in the Psalms where it says we need to wait patiently for the Lord. Because we don't have to freak out that he's not there. We don't have to freak out that he's not doing anything. We can sit confidently trusting that he is working and he will fulfill his promises to us in the best possible moment. Another thing we can learn about waiting is that God will often answer your prayers in unexpected ways, which means a lot of times when we're like expecting, we've prayed for this one thing and we're expecting God to answer this one prayer, God might do it differently. And if we're so focused on God doing things our way, we might miss him answering our prayers. Do you know how many people missed Jesus coming into the world? Nobody, nobody expected him, the Savior, the most powerful being to ever be born, uh, to show up as a baby to a poor family in the boonies. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere. Nobody thought that he could possibly be the Savior because of where he was and who he was born into, what family he was born into. And consequently, as he grew, a lot of people missed his message because they didn't, he wasn't the, the Savior that they were looking for. Now, I don't know how many times in my life when I thought I was waiting on God and it turns out he was working right in the middle of it. And most of the time I've missed it and I don't see God working in my life until I get a few more steps down the road and I look back and then I can go, oh, he was really leading everything, all those pieces together along the way. He wasn't giving me the pieces I wanted when I wanted them, but he was definitely leading me where I wanted to go, where I needed to go. But I, most of the time when it comes to seeing God's will in my life and, and having him answer those desperate prayers, he's answering them just not in the way necessarily that I had expected him to do that. 
And I, I can only think of one time in my entire life, and you know, as a minister, it stuck out to me. There's only been one time in my entire life when I realized in the moment that God was doing something. Like, I've only ever once been, been like, it was so, I was, it was clear, I knew what my role was, I knew why I was there, and I, I could see God working in that moment. And it was when um, I went to visit um, Bill and Cindy Berger um, a few weeks before Bill passed, and the week before, Warren Brosey, the minister at Berlin Christian Church, had called and said, hey, if you go see Bill, do you mind if I come with you? I, go, I would like to go too. And I said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I called him. I said, I'm going to go visit Bill. You want to go? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I picked Warren up on the way, and uh, we get there. And from the second we get there, I realized how unnecessary I was. Warren was so incredibly comforting and sincere and there were some things going on. There were some questions that needed to be asked. And Warren was, he had all the answers. It was amazing. Like, I, I was sitting there realizing, like, oh, I was just the driver. <laughs> God just needed an Uber to get Warren <laughs> to the burger's house. Like, and I was, it was sitting there, because it's like, I got there expecting, trying to help. You know, as a minister, you want to go and help and be comforting. And I was just like, I'm going to get just a... Get out the way here. Just let Warren do his thing, and I'll, I'll help if I can, but I'm just going to stand off to the sidelines because I totally realized my job that night was simply to get Warren a few blocks from his house to theirs. And that's, but that's been the exception. Most of the time, we don't get that confirmation that we want. Most of the time, we're going to be spent waiting and wondering and watching for what God is going to do. But the beauty of it is, is that he's good and he's trustworthy we have a bible full of stories showing us how good and trustworthy and faithful he is to his promises and you know what if you keep track of the prayers you pray and you go back and maybe read some of those like write them down and date them you will be surprised to see how many you never realized he answered we've done that in our small group for several years now we've wrote down what we've been praying for and i go back and there's been prayers for babies that are now here and terrorizing our small group right you know they're and we, we're, we're glad, we're joyful about those things, you know? And so, when it comes to waiting on God, in those times when it feels like God is absent or a million miles away, you've got to remember that He is not far. He is not absent. He is not doing nothing. He is with you. And that's the entire point of the Christmas story, God with us. He came into this world to be with us us so that he could take away sin so that we could live forever in heaven and then he would be with us forever the entire point and mission of jesus was so that us and our heavenly father would be able to have a relationship together forever and so he is never going to leave you in the lurch he's never going to leave you hung out to dry you might have to wait yes and that might be painful and frustrating and confusing but he will come through for you even in the moments when you can't see it or feel it, he is working for you and for me so that at the right moment he can fulfill those promises to us. And so this Christmas, maybe you're waiting on something. I pray that you would start to see the wait is not punishment. I pray that you would start to see that the wait is not um, uh, some sort of spiritual spanking for something you did wrong or that God's not listening or that God's absent. It's none of those things. Maybe God's just waiting for the right moment to do what is best for you.
That's what he did with Jesus. And I'm glad he waited until the right moment for that. So if you've got to wait, please don't hate the wait. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for all you do. We're grateful for the fact that sometimes we have to wait. Because, man, we're so short-sighted sometimes. And the things we want, the things we desire in the moments can sometimes have disastrous consequences down the road. And so I thank you for not answering some of our prayers. And I thank you for not answering most of them in the way we, would, we asked you to. But I thank you for being a God who is always pouring out your love and your support and your kindness on us so that we might know your salvation, so that we might know your path as your word describes it, so that we can be your people and live a life that honors you. So Father, for those in the room that are waiting for a a marriage to be healed, they're waiting for a wayward son to come home, they're waiting for the health problem that's been nagging them for years to go away, I pray that you would give them hope in their wait. Hope that you are not absent. Hope that you are not far away. Hope that even if you don't answer the prayer the way they originally hoped, that they would see that you are still working in their life. You are still powerfully present for them. And Father, we are so thankful for this time of year when we celebrate the simple fact that you came to be with us. I pray that we don't miss out on the fact that the God who made everything wants to be with us. As irritating as we must be, as troublesome and disappointing as we must be, you are willing to give up the glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, to step into this broken world so that we could have a relationship with you forever. Thank you for being so loving. Thank you for stepping out of heaven and pursuing us so that we might join you there one day. We pray for your peace as we wait. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.